Welcome back to our series about Das Studio's lighting system. In today's episode, we're going to explore the so-called parametric lights. And they're called that because we can create them much like we can create primitive objects and camera objects and so forth. We can use the menu and say create and then followed by a light object. In the previous episode, we've seen how to reset our scene so that we can only see the scene lights that we're going to create today. So we're going to build on that. And I'll introduce you to some of the tools here. In this scene, I'm just going to create a primitive first. Let's make that a plane of 20 meters Y positive. That means it's on the ground. And I'm going to, speaking of which, I'm going to go and select that and call it ground. There we go. And I'm going to make that unselected as well. Unselectable, I should say. And now we're going to go and create uh, another primitive, which in this case is a sphere, just so that we have something to look at all in the center of our scene. I'm going to go and make that unselectable as well. And that makes it possible for me to click in here and not constantly select something that I don't want to select. Because really what this is all about is lighting. So when I want to create a light source, I go to the same menu and hit create. And here we have three choices. We have a distant light, we have a spotlight, and we have a point light. The point light comes in two flavors, a regular point light and a linear point light. And this is kind of historic because these things were introduced when DAS Studio only had one render engine, which is the 3D light render engine. In this episode, though, we're dealing with the iRay rendering engine. And for iRay, the point light, it doesn't matter which one you create. They both create the same object. One is just called point light, one is called linear point light. They have the same effect in iRay. In 3D light, however, these are different. And we're going to talk about that when we get to the portion about 3D light. The point light is the one that I'm going to start with. So I'm going to use the regular point light. As I said, it doesn't matter which one you select. I'm going to go and apply the default settings and that'll create the point light in the middle of our scene. Now my lights have gone out. So my preview lights have gone out to bring that back. Control L will get me sorted and that will let me now position my point light. So it's now coming in at the same position as the sphere. So I'm just going to go and drag that out perhaps to here. And I'm going to drag that up a little bit as well. Oh, come on. There we go. There. Now to preview this, what I need to do, as we said last time, is switch my viewport over to the iRay engine. And then I see an overexposed mess. We know why that is. We head over to render settings, environment, and switch off the environment map. And now we get only the effect that my point light has, which is very low in intensity. Right now we can just about see that this is happening here. Just to double check, just like last time, under the render settings in general, there is the tab down here under auto headlamp. Just make sure that's set to never. But we talked about that in the last episode. Now, with this point light, it behaves just like a regular light source in real life. So if I were to take that and bring it closer to my sphere, then I can see that the intensity where the sphere is increases, but also the amount of light that's being spread around is much smaller. So the light cone, if you will, gets much smaller. And that's just like it is in real life. If I take that further away again, then 
more of the sphere is being illuminated, but at a lesser intensity. And that's, that's basically how the point light works. It shines in all directions, and wherever you move it, that is where you get that effect. So now I'm going to move it closer to the ground, and I'll see that the ground is being illuminated brighter here, but in a smaller spot. This is great for emulating anything like light bulbs and any objects or candles or something like that. Anything that emits light into all directions. That's what a point light really is. I'm going to talk you through the parameters before we go over to explore the other light objects that we have. Uh, and for now, I'd like to make this perhaps a little bit brighter here so that it just shines at a higher intensity overall. And I can do that in two ways. One is the parameters tab. That's the one that I prefer to use. Under parameters, we have the regular uh, general properties here like transformations, uh, display properties, and then there's light. And that's the one that's interesting here. Under light, we've got all these options here, and they're the same on all the iRay lights, on all the parametric iRay lights, I should say. One thing that I want to switch off for now is photometric mode. That's just an on-off button. And if we do that, then it gets rid of all these properties at the bottom here, which we're going to talk about in a moment. You can see that it doesn't really have a difference in our scene. It doesn't change the light quality or anything. It just reduces the amount of settings we have to deal with. And less is sometimes more in 3D terms because it just allows our tired brains to you know, focus in on the basics. And then if we want more, hey, more is available. But sometimes it's also nice to have less and you know, get started with less. I have two options that spring to mind here. One is the color option and one is the intensity of the light. Maybe I'll just bring that light a little bit closer to my sphere so that we could just see the effect a little bit better here. Now the color of the light is currently white as we can see here, but I can change that by clicking in and picking another color, maybe something like pink. And that changes the color of the light. So if you want to have disco lights, you know, you can have that and anything you want. Uh, pool lights that may need a little bit of a blue tinge or whatever, you know, anything is possible. I'm going to leave it white. Just wanted to show you that this is how you can change uh, color drastically in your scene. The next thing is the intensity slider. That's a good one. It can be increased to up to 200% at a maximum by default, and it can also go down all the way to zero, and then the light is switched off. I like to use the intensity slider for animations. It's easy to animate this intensity, but it only gets us so far, so I can't seem to make the light brighter than 200%. Well, once again, there's, there's two ways of dealing with it. One is in photometric mode. We can make it much brighter there, and we'll talk about that in a second. But another one is a hack that I like to employ sometimes, and that is that I change the properties of this actual slider. And in, the, in order to do that, we click that little gear icon here here and we just head over to parameter settings and in that we can now switch off the limits here use limits is this option if we switch that off and hit accept then there's no longer a lock at 200% so now I can go and crank it up to kingdom come so that's one really easy way to get you started with lights and just make them as bright as you need to without delving into photometric mode there but again, it is a hack, so I, I don't often employ that, but just know that it's there. Alt, click on the slider will bring you back to 100%, and I'll go and bring those limits back just because you know, that's, the, that's the default. I leave it at 100% for now because I want to increase the intensity of my point light in the photometric mode. 
So when we switch that on, there's essentially these two tabs that are being added to this very long list here. And uh, that is something that area will probably make more sense once we talked about mesh lights in the next video. So I'm gonna leave that one unexplained for now. It'll, be, it'll remain a mystery for now. And we'll go straight to the photometrics tab where I can see these two options luminous flux in lumen and the color temperature of my light in Kelvin. Now those are all weird terminologies and I just wanted to touch on that and explain why why it is this way, why, why it is the way it is. So the luminous flux is apparently the electromagnetic waves that are emitted from an object, including light, but reduce it down to the visible spectrum that the human eye can perceive. So I believe the radiant flux is everything that an object emits, like a light source doesn't just emit light, it also emits other things like ultraviolet light and uh, maybe even infrared light and all that, but our human eye can't perceive that. So that's not included in the luminous flux. And whatever comes out there is measured in a unit called lumen. That's, that's all really that there's to it. We have a default of 1500 for this, but if we increase that to something like, let's say 10,000, you can see what happens with my light. It gets a lot brighter. And that's how I tend to use it. I like to crank this up to a value that's kind of approximately there, maybe 20,000. And then I like to go back to my regular intensity slider and then make fine adjustments with that. So I get the ballpark with the luminous flux and then I go back to the intensity slider and make my fine adjustments there. Sometimes I also just ignore the intensity slider altogether and just do all my adjustments here on the luminous flux. Depends whatever floats your boat there. Let me leave that on 20,000 for now that we can get, the, get a better representation of what the light quality is like. And let's have a look at the temperature slider here. The temperature in Kelvin changes the tint of the light. So going left reduces the temperature and makes your light more orange and going over 6,500 makes your light more blue. In photography and camera terms, we also refer to these things as warm and cool. So this would be a warmer light than this. This would be regarded as a more cooler light. So cooler, if you ever hear these terms, that means it's kind of more bluish green and warmer is always red, yellow, orange, that sort of thing. This comes from, if ever you've wondered about this, why we're actually measuring a light temperature in something that sounds like a heat or something like a heat temperature. That is correct. That's actually how it works. The Kelvin scale is very much related to the Celsius scale. So the gaps in between each temperature step are the same in Kelvin and centigrade. So plus one degree is the same in both Kelvin and centigrade. Whereas Celsius or the centigrade scale says at zero degrees Celsius, water freezes. Kelvin, the Kelvin scale says uh, water freezes at 273 point something degrees. Uh, that's the equivalent of 36 degrees Fahrenheit. So Cal the Kelvin scale says that when atoms and molecules no longer wobble around, which they kind of always do, at one point if we just cool an object down really, really low, then objects and molecules don't move around anymore at all. And that's what the Kelvin scale says is the zero degree Kelvin point.
Now, likewise, if we increase the temperature of an object to really, really hot, eventually an object starts glowing. And this is really a lab experiment. There is something called, uh, I believe, a uh, black body. And that's just, that's a theoretical object that doesn't emit light at all. And if we increase its heat, the heat that we put on it, it starts glowing. And at first it starts glowing, when, at that point when it starts glowing, it starts glowing dark orange. And then the hotter you make it, it gets white. And then the hotter you make it, it eventually turns blue. That is why we refer to that as the Kelvin scale. There is actually a nice article on uh, Wikipedia here about color temperature. I'm going to link to that in the description and you can read all about that. They have a nice illustration here that shows you the different types of color temperatures and what they achieve and also what they're equivalent to if you ever need to have that reference. There's this little animated graphic on the right too, which you can see on the left is ultraviolet light, on the right is infrared light. Uh, and then you know on the outsides there and as you change the temperature of this weird black body object this is how the light changes so this is exactly how it's reflected in Death Studio sorry tangent I just thought I'd let you know this to put this into a context with all these things in place, that is how the point light works. It is, let's get back to lighting now. The point light works in the way that it has a location in a scene. So that's important to remember. I can place it anywhere, but it doesn't have a rotation. So the rotation, it doesn't really matter. If I turn this around, the light quality never really changes because it emits the same amount of light in all directions. And our other light objects in DAS Studio don't behave that way. Or in fact, in any 3D application, they don't behave that way. This point light, it matters where we put it in the scene, but it doesn't matter how we rotate it. Let me go and just push that out of the way. I don't want to delete it. I'm just going to go and put it over here and maybe make it invisible and then it disappears. And now let me go and create another light, namely the distant light. That's one I just wanted to mention that it is here for kind of completeness sake. I'll go and apply the default settings. Uh, but it is one that has really fallen out of favor. And uh, I'm mentioning that here because the distant light is one that doesn't have a location. It might sound weird when I say it that way. Uh, I'm just going to go and uh, increase the luminous flux here. Notice that we have the photometrics mode. We have only got luminous flux and temperature. We don't have the light geometry in this case. The area tab is missing here. I'm going to crank that up to maybe 10,000 just for maybe 20,000 here. 20,000 is a good starting point. And you can see what the effect of the light is. So it kind of comes uh, comes and shines at my sphere here. Maybe I make that a bit uh, higher, maybe 50,000. Jeez, maybe 100,000 there. Okay, cool. Now we can see it. Uh, you can see that it shines literally from the from the left at my sphere here. But if I move it below the ground, like so, that it disappears, it still does the same thing. So if we were to do this excessively, put it maybe over to the right a bit, that it's not even shining at my sphere, so that's kind of, you know, over there, it still has the same effect. And that is happening because the distant light doesn't have a location. So it's exactly the opposite as it was on the point light. It doesn't matter where in the scene you move it, all the distant light cares about is the rotation. 
So if I go and rotate that now, I can see that it very much changes the effect that it has on the sphere. But it also doesn't matter if I shine it from the left onto the sphere or if I do that from the right, it has the same effect. So it ignores the, the location setting there or the translation setting and it only has a rotation setting. Now the reason why the distant light has fallen out of favor is because of its shadows. You can see that the shadows are always this harsh and they can't be changed. It emulates the parallel light that comes in from the sun and this was really, this is really designed for 3D light here because in 3D light we have a separate shadow option in which we can make the shadows softer or harsher separately from whatever the light source is. In iRay, this has largely fallen out of favor because we have better ways of emulating the sunlight, for example, with an HDRI, or we can now have mesh lights in which we can tweak how we want our shadows to look. And this one doesn't really have any options. Just know that it's there, and if you need a quick flood light, a fill light that fills in your whole scene, then you can look at the distant light, or if those harsh shadows are in fact the effect that you're looking for. I'm going to go and delete this because I don't think it's, I personally don't think it's very useful, so I'm going to go and delete that. Those are really the options. It doesn't matter where it is, but the rotation is the one thing that it actually reacts to. And of course, the luminous flux and the color temperature. So that, that is also, whoops, <laughs> uh, that, that is also, it does react to that. There we go. My favorite and the most important one of them all is of course the spotlight. And the spotlight has both a rotation and a location and it also has uh, something called a light cone. Let's go and bring that in. And this very much reacts to where it is in the scene and how it is rotated. The spotlight is the one with the most options. It's also the most complicated to deal with, but it's also the one that is the most fun to deal with, I think, uh, for various reasons. So once again, we're going to leave the, we're on the light tab. I'm going to ignore the area tab here. I'm going to go straight to the photometrics tab and I'm going to crank up the luminous flux once again to about 20,000 and we can see the effect that our light has on the sphere. It's kind of, you know, subdued. Maybe we'll make that a little bit bigger, maybe 50,000. There we go, perfect. You can see the white markings here that the light has, and it's got an inner little circle and it's got an outer little circle here. And the outer circle denotes where, how wide the light is shining, and the inner circle denotes kind of the hot spot of the light. So this is where the light shines the most intense, and this, the light is going to shine onto here, so from anywhere from here to here, that's called the fall off. And then anywhere outside the circle, the light has no effect on our scene. I can now go ahead and rotate that so that it shines directly at my sphere. And I'm going to go and zoom in there onto the sphere just so that we can get a better impression of what our scene looks like here. And it's kind of a nice portrait effect. Imagine this is a character and you light the character with a single light. You can have nice and dramatic effects doing that. And then, of course, now with the spotlight selected, you could go back to the intensity tab and then crank that up if you wanted to. Or you can change the light color. It's all kinds of things that you can do here. 
the spotlight has another couple of interesting effects. So sometimes you can, uh, like with any other object, you can set your light in the viewport like I've just done here and uh, move it around with the 3D manipulator. But I, what I find fascinating about it is that it behaves almost like a camera. So you can go and switch your perspective view over to the actual light. And this is only possible with the spotlight. You do that and then you look through the light and you see kind of what the light is seeing. But uh, now you can go ahead and move it just almost just like you could move a camera. So you can zoom out and therefore the light gets weaker and it shines at a wider angle or shines its cone at a different part of the scene. Or you can zoom in. You can literally hone in on objects and, uh, and literally point your light at the objects from the direction that you like to point them at. So now I'm going over and positioning the spotlight more at the top of my object. And if I go over back to the perspective view, I can see that the effect that my light has on the scene is very different. So I find that fascinating that you can go and position your light and literally look through the light as if this is a camera that makes positioning them very easy, I find. One other thing I wanted to bring to your attention is that, uh, that these, how these little circles here change. So let me zoom it in, let me frame it up like that so that we can see these two circles here and we can also see the effect the light has on it. So um, that is happening also under the light tab now, not under area or photometrics. Sadly, we can't whittle this down any further. Just basically ignore anything from this point onwards, from light geometry, and ignore everything at the bottom of it, and just focus on this block here. But we have these two new parameters, spread angle and beam exponent. So spread angle is, in fact, if I increase that, the outer circle. If I make that smaller or uh, bigger, you can see how the light quality changes and how the light changes are seen. So you can go and uh, create something like this, which is a very small circle of light here uh, without changing the position of the light. It gives you a good flexibility of creating the, the effect that you want in your scene. Notice also the effect of these two circles in relation to one another of what happens at the bottom here. If I make that circle smaller, the outer circle, bring that outer circle closer to the inner circle, you can see that this is reflected in whatever is creating a soft shadow in your scene. So that barrier between the hotspot of the light and the, where the light no longer shines, so the, the whole fall off, that is actually changed by you doing this. That's exactly reflected in the softness of the shadow that you see at the bottom here. I believe there's also a handle here that we can touch in the scene and then do this in the scene directly. If there's something, if that's something that you'd like to do, you can do that. You can literally change this in the scene. You don't have to touch the parameter here. There is actually speaking of doing things differently. There's something I was going to mention that in the beginning and totally forgot about it. I'm currently dealing with the parameters tab and then on the light tab you have all these options if a light source is selected. There is another whole tab that they've put in here in Das Studio which is under Windows Panes and here it is, the lights pane. You can also bring that up. That's equivalent to the camera's pane in that it doesn't let you, it, you can, if you bring that up, and let me just go and dock it right underneath my parameters here. This now combines the light things with a little selector up here that lets you pick a light source and even add another light source to your scene if you wanted to do that. So this saves you having to go to the 
scene tab to pick a light if you're not showing the scene tab or if you'd like to work in a completely different tab just dedicated to lights you can do that just know that it's there i'm personally not dealing with it they also have the shadow tab here which is only not grayed out when you're using 3d light but so you know just know that it's there it has the same options that the parameters tab has on the lights option here it's just split out another way of working if that's what you want to do i'm going to go and close that down just thought i'd mention that it's that it's actually there i'm going to go back to the parameters tab now and um, the other thing i wanted to mention here is i'm going to go and reset that is the beam exponent and if you increase that it focuses more of the light in the middle of the light so if you uh, crank that up you can see that the hot spot in the middle here is even brighter than it was before so it is essentially narrowing whatever is emitting the light on the light source it's kind of narrowing that down and making that more intense it's a bit like when you imagine a torch and you twiddle the front there on your on your old boy scout torch in the woods that is almost the same effect here i don't tend to use that uh, because there's there's better ways of achieving that effect uh, just know that it's there and if it is something you want to play with explore it and see if that uh, brings you the effects that you desire i usually leave it at the default which is four much like cameras by the way we can also use in the that's with the light selected on the general tab now there's the misc option here and that lets you point your light at an object in your scene and i really like that effect so you can go and select anything in your scene and point your spotlight at that object so let's say we're pointing it at the sphere and this is really cool because at that point the light will always point here no matter where i put it so if i now move the light further down you can see that it kind of follows the light cone is always pointing at my sphere and no matter where i move it left right up or down it always points at that at that object so that lets me position my lights basically anywhere and then just point them at say a character's face or at a character's upper body and then i can go and move those into position and just observe how the effects of the lights change that's something to keep in mind as well only the spotlight has that it's a similar effect or it's kind of the same effect that we have from cameras you can point the cameras at a character and then just move the camera and the camera always points at that character and it's just nice to do that and then we just get these effects here and uh, it also allows us to experiment a little bit and it's just a few less parameters to sort out there yeah so i like that i might just leave that pointed at my sphere and then you know we can we can go and see what it's like if i illuminate that object further from the top or slightly further from the left slightly further from the right i tend to use this when i do three-point lighting setup or five-point lighting setup you can point these lights from the back of the character and you can just see if it brings you the separation if you have multiple lights there if it brings you the, the separation that you're looking for in, in character portraits i'm going to go and leave it alone for now and uh, let you explore this uh, but there's one other thing i wanted to bring to your attention and that is more the effect that the light has i'm going to zoom in here and uh, bring this to your attention so on one hand we have the shadows here the shadows are currently fairly harsh and we also have this kind of stepping 
geometry here uh, what's all that about hey and also how can we get rid of that because if we see that on a character that's maybe not the effect that we'd like well this is why we're kind of going to have to look ahead now at the next video about mesh lights because i let you in on a secret and this is where we're going to look at the area tab here i let you in on a secret under the hood in iray everything's a mesh light except for hdri lights of course but a mesh light is essentially something in which you have a surface of an object and the surface emits the light. So the surface has parameters attached that make it light up. And with it, we can then go and create all kinds of effects. We can make it softer, wider, we can make it turn it into a different shape and also and so forth. And uh, literally that is how these parametric lights are created. It's just that we access the parameters in a slightly different way. And we're gonna see how to create and deal with mesh lights in the next episode. But for now, have a look at the area tab here and you see this point which says light geometry and that's currently set to point and that means the light is is coming from a single vertex in 3d space and that is the only thing that's emitting light a point by definition can't be made bigger or smaller a point's always going to be a point uh, it doesn't have an area hence the diameter the height and width here if we crank that up which would change the light geometry doesn't have any effect because it points a point so i'll go and reset that to zero just by alt and left clicking on these sliders here but we can change the light geometry of our lights from the default point to something else so for example a disc if i were to change that watch what happens in the scene if i switch that over to disc you can barely notice it. So the steps haven't changed. That's still the same, but you can just about see that on the behind the sphere here, my shadow has just gone a little bit softer. Can you see that here? It doesn't have those super harsh edges anymore. If I change that back to point, you can probably see it better. Harsh edge and disc has a slightly softer edge. I can also see the interpolation here. I'll go and zoom in there. I mean, it is very, very small, the effect, but you can just about see what happens here. You can also, this is the other thing that I was going to show you, if you increase the height and width parameters here now, uh, if you make that bigger, or if you just type something in, like, you know, let's go for 50 on height and width, then you have a larger disk that is now emitting that light. You can see that the reflection in our sphere is getting slightly bigger because we can see the light source that is being created there in our light object. And now the shadows are just much softer here. And so that's another rule of thumb. The bigger you make the light geometry, the softer your shadows get. So if that is what you want to do, soft shadows, and this is exactly how you can achieve that. There are other light geometries, of course. So if the disk is not what you're looking for, perhaps go for a rectangle. That is now, as we can see in here, now we're getting a rectangle displayed. And also it has soft shadows because the height and width parameters haven't changed. But it can change the quality of the light. So a rectangle would be something akin to a softbox, perhaps. There's also a sphere that you can use. So now it's not a flat object anymore. It's now a 3D object that's emitting the light, changes the light quality to a certain extent. Cylinder, same thing. That is now not an, a rectangle anymore or a disc. It is basically a combination of the two. And also it changes the light uh, quality here. And then we can go back to point and uh, now our height and width parameters don't have an effect. Yes, but this is essentially uh, how that happens.
There's also, if you go with two-dimensional objects like a rectangle, there's another thing here that pops up that is a two-sided option. And that is, of course, if you imagine that light is being created from a plane and the, the light is being created along the normals into one direction, you can also set it to have the light come out of both directions. And that's what this option does here, the two-sided option. And that is currently, we don't really see that, but if I had an object behind my spotlight now, that would also be illuminated. So that's another thing here, two-sided. And then the final thing I wanted to bring your attention is the render emitter option. And that is, of course, now that we see this, uh, this light source that is being created here, if we were to switch this off, we still see the reflection, but we won't see the actual emitter anymore. So that is, if we were to go and pan our camera around, then we can actually see that this is the geometry that is being created here. And just to prove a point, if I switch that to disk, that is what it does. If I switch that to a point, then it's just a point that we can't perceive. But if we leave that on rectangle for now, and I switch off the render emitter tab here, then that thing doesn't appear in our scene. So that's important sometimes if we had a camera positioned directly behind the light and the emitter would come up if we were to go and and have our camera positioned uh, like somewhere like here and this thing would just occlude our object and we don't want to see it then we can just go and switch the remitter off and then you know we don't we don't see it we still see the reflections but we don't see the actual emitter anymore so there we have it that's a quick introduction about all the parametric lights and its settings that you can get in das studio the principles are very similar in other 3d applications and i invite you to play around with these things just with a few primitives put a character in your scene and just see how the light quality changes and see how you can make the effects happen that you want to make happen in the next episode we're going to talk about the mesh lights and how they apply on the surface properties of the objects and how we can easily create our own mesh lights and then we're going to round this off with a little look at hdris or high dynamic range images to use as light sources and to bring all that together we're going to then talk about how to use these things in a little scene that we're going to build thank you so much for watching please join me in the next video and don't forget if you have any questions drop by the weekly live stream that's on friday 4 p.m eastern standard time i'll see you there bye bye